Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and folks, on today's show, we are very pleased to present you our interview with Kevin Smoot. Hey, Ron, how's it going? Great, Ed. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. The heat broke a little bit. We didn't get over 100 in Texas this week. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're in the 80s, so we're, we're, we're doing good. We're doing yeah, good. <laughs> totally jealous. But we didn't get on here to talk about the weather. What we came on to talk about was our interview with Kevin Smoot. And let me read him in, and we'll, we'll get started on the conversation. Uh, Kevin Smoot, since preparing his first tax return as a ter- I'm sorry, tax returns as a senior in high school, we got to get that story. Kevin has dedicated his entire professional career to assisting and educated clients on how to become better stewards of their finances. He has worked for CPA firms in the D.C. area and has extensive experience in the preparation of both personal and corporate tax returns, along with identifying the unique tax deductions associated with each of those entities and their relationships to the owners. He's also got a great story that he's going to share with us after seeing Ron talk. But now, welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Kevin Smoot. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. All right, so preparing your first tax returns in high school. We got to hear that story. <laughs> uh, so in high school, they gave us a, a course in either accounting or C++. I chose both of them. So I was like, either I'm going to build computers or I'm going to do accounting. Uh, and let's just say C++ didn't go too well. So um, I did well in accounting. I absolutely fell in love with it. I happen to have a cousin who had already owned a firm. Uh, and so I just I just dove right in. And, and you know, the story kind of tells itself, itself after that. All right. So whose returns were they? Were, did you do your own like 1040 easy or something? And then oh, absolutely. Other... All right. <laughs> yeah. No, Got I didn't to... jump straight into corporate tax. It was like, you know, <laughs> your, your grandma's Social Security and, and her pension and, you know. That was it. Just getting through those that's that stuff. Yeah. So so that it was it that that class in high school that kind of made you fall in love with accounting? Yeah, absolutely. That was that was a game changer for me. And what was it about it? What was it that attracted you? Um so I like puzzles. I like puzzles and I like numbers. Um and I look I think back to my childhood. I was like 10, 11 years old and I first started getting an allowance and I would actually take all my money and I would iron it. So I would iron all my money out. <laughs> make sure it had a nice like it was nice and crisp and so i look back and i'm like early on i knew that i was an organizer of money and that i wanted everything to be you know absolutely tight so when i took that accounting course it was literally like love at first sight like it was the last course of the day where you think everybody retired i was like so focused and asking all the questions and i probably had never been a better student than when i was in that first class did you memorize the serial numbers of your bills i had a friend who actually did that he would memorize the serial numbers. Of <laughs> so not the serial numbers on bills, but I would actually memorize the, um, the tag numbers on cars. 
uh, like going to and from school. So I guess I never told anybody that, but <laughs> I guess it's like one of those weird things. You're totally ready to be the uh, a witness on Law and Order because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I get involved in a hit and run, they're getting caught. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome that's awesome okay so you get through through the the course in high school did you go to college and say going to be an accounting major or was that still up in the air too no straight to it yeah so i i literally knew you know most of the time you're a freshman and you change your mind and i knew exactly what i wanted to do uh walking on campus awesome and you finish get your degree obviously and then what was next after you for that well, so I wanted to jump straight into my own business, but, you know, obviously there's a, a bunch of enthusiasm, but a lack of knowledge there. Uh, so I went and I worked for a number of CPA firms while building clientele on the side. Okay. And uh, what, what did you, did you do all kinds of things at those firms? Did you do a little bit of audit, a little bit of tax, a little bit of everything? I went straight to tax. I was you went like, straight to tax. Okay. Yeah. I was, you know, normally, so I didn't go to like a big four where they'll put you through audit and then you'll go through you know everything. I already knew from college, I didn't want to do cost accounting. I didn't want to do audit. Like I didn't want to go straight into tax. Um, and so when I got there, I asked to be like in the tax department um, and obviously worked my way up uh, from there. But um, yeah, tax was, was it for me. And it, same reason that that puzzle nature of it, like how do all these pieces come together that, you you know, you get all you get, get the proverbial shoebox from the from the client and OK, figure it out. Yeah, it, that and uh, my dad gave me the book Rich Dad Poor Dad is my graduation gift, which I wanted a lot more money than that. But <laughs> the book, <laughs> the book was actually kind of showed me that like real estate and taxes and how to build and preserve wealth. Um, and that was the avenue that I wanted to to go into. And so learning more about tax and also real estate um, really just helped me to be able to focus on on my career. Okay. And you went. What you said you worked for a couple of different firms. And then when did you decide? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this on my own. I'm gonna I'm gonna start my own company. So I had all that ambition around. Uh, I'd say about 24, 25. Actually, it was around. I quit my job. Um, and then I went out on my own and then the recession hit. And so then, so then I learned about business outside of like having ambition. I learned about, you know, like going through a recession and things like that. Um, and also realized that I didn't have the knowledge that I wanted. And so I went back to CPA firms um, until about four years ago. Uh, and then I jumped ship again. And, and is that when you, it, and you're the, the founder of, uh, is it Accountability Inc.? Correct. Yes. So tell me about the founding of that. That's so that's the company you founded. You was that the company you had before and just kind of rolled over, or uh, when you went back to work, or was accountability the, the a new the new entity? So I had um, I had like a small consulting company, but it was basically a DVA as accountability. So you can say it, it was the same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you 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 found that and and uh, how many folks you got working for you now? I have five working for me right now. Okay, outstanding. Yeah. And how how do you? I'm going to ask a little bit about this because this is a question that I get a lot, especially with with smaller folks. How do you find those people, and what how, how do you feel about getting them onboarded and uh, making sure that they are going to take care of the the customers the same at the same level that you will? So I focus a lot of my interviewing and hiring on personality. Um, mm -hmm. as well as skill, but personality comes first um, because we like to interact more with clients. And so 
I want someone who's going to be, you know, accountants, they have a, a bad rep for having no personality. So I want someone who has the bandwidth and the energy to be able to nurture that relationship with the client, uh, but also educate them at the same time. So it's a weird mix because most of the time accountants are like, you know, you have your, your visor, you have your, uh, what's it called? Your uh, pocket, pocket protector. protector. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're in your four walls with no windows, just cranking out numbers. Whereas I like to be very involved, engaged. I like to have meetings with clients. Um, you know, I guess you can call me a, an extroverted introvert. Uh, and I look for that same kind of characteristic in, in the people that come on board as well. And is that just a, a gut feel for you? Do you or, or do you have some specific interview questions that you try to ask to make sure that you elicit that from them? Yeah, a combination of both. Um, and then I also focus heavily on like a Colby um, kind of exam where I get a feel for their personality and their, their management style. Mm -hmm. But is there, is there a particular question that you like to ask uh, on the interview that, that kind of gives you some insight into someone? So my interviews are, are I, I wouldn't say non-traditional, but I don't like to stick to the technical questions. I'll ask them like, what types of things are they into? Um, like, so if somebody asks me, I'm going to say photography. And for me, I'm like, okay, any accountant who's in the art is using both sides of their brain. And that's helpful when we're coming up with different, one, different personalities among clients. So you're able to relate more to, you know, a wide variety of people. Um, but two, you're looking at situations differently. So for photography, you're always taught to look through, they say through a different lens, but literally in photography, that's what you're doing. Same mm -hmm. thing with, you know, art. Um, and so I like people that um, have a good accounting background, but also have like an art background as well. Um, or anything just outside of the norm that shows that they are kind of out of the box. So I heard an interesting interview question. Be curious what you think of, think about this. It's how, how many browser tabs do you have open? <laughs> you know what? That is actually, I'm going to write that down. That is an amazing question. <laughs> so let me ask you, how many browser tabs do you have open right now? Four. Four? Only four? Yeah. And okay. they're, very, they're very targeted. So I'm the kind of... <laughs> I'm the kind of person who, at the end of the day, all of my text messages, all my browsers, I clean them all out, and then I start fresh the next day. What about, are you inbox zero person? Do you want nothing in the inbox, God, too? I, I wish my inbox was zero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many years it's been since I've seen it hit zero. Um, no, I've, I've got probably 25, 30 in there right now. Uh, but I know there are some people that have like 40,000, 50,000 and that, that <laughs> would honestly give me chills. <laughs> so I have a very specific question for you. I was poking around your website and I noticed that you have, well, it, you can't but notice it because it's one of the first thing that comes out. It's a little form that says, tell me more about what it is that you're looking for. First of all, mm -hmm. has that been, has that been successful for you? That little, that little intake form that where people f follow along, just curious about that. Um, so it gives a little bit of a background on what that person's looking for. Um, and that's more like a small intro. I'm actually working on improving that to get more information. Um, but when a client like actually books a call, then they'll give a bio as to more about what they're looking for so that I know going into the conversation, like what angle I'm going to take. 
Yeah. Well, I was gonna I was gonna counsel you. Don't 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 ask too many questions on that. I thought it was. I, no. I went th- I went went through all the way to where it's gonna you know because it was gonna mess with your system to to click yeah. along. And I thought it was really a, a well done in terms of the the length. I think it's four questions before you get yeah. to okay. Keep it simple. Ready to, ready to start. Have you found yeah. those questions to be effective though in the conversations that you're having like, at least initially with folks? They do because um, it, it helps me to know. You know, it kind of it gets rid of all the like the initial questions like what do you want and who are you and where you're from and so it allows me to really go in and say okay you know you're focused on individual or you're a business and then i have a whole another set of questions depending on you know whether you're an individual or business so it does help to kind of get through the initial stages of discovery yeah very very initial stages yeah, no, I really like that. I think that that's something that Ron and I have been been talking about because I think it's part of, and I know you're going to talk about this more with Ron, the 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 experience of the customer and trying to really yeah. limit as to who your who your your potential customers are. Yeah, and so. to do that in in a small amount of questions is tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this has been fun. I can't believe we're already through our first segment. I want to remind our listeners that they can contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. Our sponsor for this segment is Melio. Melio is an accounts payable solution that both you and your clients will love. Go to melio.com slash accountants to get started for free. And now a word from those sponsors. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Accountants and bookkeepers, listen up. Save time by streamlining your customers' payables with Melio. Melio lets you make all your customers' business payments on one simple dashboard. There's no monthly fees and you can send ACH transfers for free. Best of all, Melio syncs with your accounting software so everything is organized. Do yourself and your customers a favor. Join Melio so you can spend less time on payments and more time growing your firm. Visit Melio.com accountants for more information. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Hey folks, Ed here. Ron is far too modest to tell you about his new book with Paul Dunn, so I'm just going to have to go ahead and do it. Scheduled to release on December 8th, Time's Up, the subscription business model for professional firms, is going to rock the world like the firm of the future did two decades ago. 
While you can't get the book until December, you can join the pre-order club by buying the book and sending us your receipt. Benefits start in August and will continue through February. For more details, visit thesoulofenterprise.com slash time's up. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise welcome back everybody we're here with kevin smoot of account ability and kevin um you say you were doing tax returns as a senior in high school and when i read that on your bio i couldn't believe it because <laughs> I was doing it as a sophomore because oh, wow. I had a I had a two year accounting program in high school that I went right into and knew I wanted to be a CPA. So it's unbelievable how our paths are so similar. Yeah. Plus, you were born on September twenty fifth. So am I. So really, yeah. There's a lot of weird coincidences here. So, <laughs> but it's really cool to have you. Um, have you on uh I, i'm gonna back up and ask you uh well first off your decision you you must have decided at some point not to be not to go down the cpa route route and you picked an ea mm-hmm. um and i apologize because i think i set you up last week as a cpa and i should have said enrolled agent but i hadn't looked at your website yet um what made you what made you select that was it because you knew you wanted to concentrate on tax and didn't yeah. want anything to do with audit and, like you said, cost accounting and all that? Yeah, I mean, that, that was pretty much it. Um, you know, somebody had told me, um, actually, my, my cousin told me, he was like, you know, there's the general specialist. The CPA is, is viewed as the, the, uh, the knowledge of all. And I'm like, I don't want to know everything. Tax. And so I wanted to know, well, what's the, what's the best designation I can get um, tax specific? You know, I, I never want to touch an audit. Um, I never want to do cost accounting. I never want to sign off for financials. And so it's a bit of a non-traditional rap um, because, you know, everybody goes and they're like CPA, CPA. Um, but for me, I just find the, the desire to go th- down that path when I knew I didn't want anything to, to do with it. Um, and so I, yeah, I, just, I just ended up choosing the EA and the more I got into my career, the less chances or less likely it was that I was going to take time off to study the CPA. And um, then it was like, well, I actually worked for a CPA or an EA. Mm-hmm. He was extremely successful. And then that showed me that, you know, I think, and I think you can relate like in college, you're like CPA or nothing, like you're a CPA or you're nobody. Um, and then I saw him and he was extremely successful as an EA. And I was like, man, this guy's an EA and everybody else in the office is an EA. And he's running a very successful practice. And so I said, you know, it's, it's possible to be successful just focusing on tax and having the EA. So that was the route I took. Yeah, no, I, I, I grew to have tremendous respect for EAs. I think a lot of them know more than CPAs about tax because that, that exam you guys take is no easy thing. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's tough. And, the, and so the funny part, well, not so funny, but... I actually took the old version and the new version mm. um, and I passed, of course, but it was a tough exam. 
um, comparable to the reg exam for the CPA. Yeah, I mean, tax is only one small little part of the CPA exam. And I know with the EA exam, it's, it's much more detailed. So that, yeah. that that's a completely viable alternative, I think, um, and one a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. Um, uh, in fact, I think a lot of CPAs would be really smart to hire more EAs. It would expand their labor pool. At least yeah. They're into and tax. Expectations too. You know, CPA, you've got to be registered in the state. Right, right. Um, so you started your firm, and and let me ask you, because everybody talks about this, what's your firm's purpose or its why, if you're a follower of Simon Sinek? Yeah, so my why actually focuses on a combination of um, employees and the clients. Um, so, you know, we can go back to where I went to learn about how to use tax in order to, to build and preserve wealth. That's on the client side. On the CPA side, I had a brutal career of working god-awful hours, being very limited with PTO and vacation, um, not having a good work-life balance. And so on the employee side, like my employees have unlimited PTO. They create their entire schedule. They can work from wherever they want to. Um, and for me, with a CPA firm, I don't like being managed or, or micromanaged. Um, and so I don't do that with staff. It's like, here's the work. You know what to do. I'm here for your support. Just want to get out of this deadline. And it works. Um, I just believe in people. And so our why to... Um, our employees is the freedom to work, not you know, not to work for freedom, but to have the freedom to be able to work. And sometimes I'll be working at three o'clock in the morning and I'll see somebody else on there, four o'clock in the morning, they'll be working. And that's that's what they prefer. I want them at their peak hours. I want them when they feel as though they can do their best. I don't know that is. Earn that helps to be able to deliver high quality products to the client so that they have a good experience as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're judging them on results, not inputs. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you and I, you first saw me at QBC, I think in 2018. Mm -hmm. and, um, I, I was probably talking about value pricing or maybe subscription mm -hmm. pricing at that point. Was it, was it subscription? Do you remember? So I think you, you introduced subscription pricing. Um, okay. Most of your your speech was about like value pricing, pricing. but you did talk about subscription pricing being the future. Okay, okay. Um, and so you heard that, and then went back to your firm and converted everybody, which leads me to the question: What? How'd you price before that? And how? You know, tell me about that. Going back to your firm and just saying we're going to do things differently. Yeah, well, pricing before was was terrible. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, I think like most accountants, you know, fall into this trap of trying to compare yourself to the the softwares or or um, and you're not living up to your full potential or you're delivering results for free. Um, so I knew that. I knew that going in. Um, I read the pumpkin plan. Like I, I really, I just didn't know how and I didn't know what model. Um, and I thought the subscription model was all the idea. Like who is going to pay me authorized for you know tax prep that's going to happen once a year? Um, and so your like that that small talk with you was kind of the catalyst to say, all right, here's what we're going to do. I went back to my room that night, 
wrote up the game plan and um, started putting it into formation right then and there. Cause I think it was November when I met you, tech was around the corner. Um, so I didn't have a whole lot of time to implement. And so I, I just really, I like right after our conversation um, and it just kind of lit a fire underneath me to, to move forward with it. Wow. And how'd you introduce this to your customers? Did you kind of sit down, talk to them or send out a letter or how'd that go? So I sent out a letter. I did, I did a mass mailing um, and I had quite a few clients. I think when I talked to you, I probably had about 550, 500 clients. Um, and so I went through a combined pumpkin plan and um, you know, I went through, did a full list of who would be a good fit to convert over to uh, subscription-based billing um, and what value I can add to them so that it makes sense. Um, I put those two together and then I also um, sent clients a list of like improvements that we're making. Um, so I like to keep clients informed of what's going on within the firm so that they can, one, they know, okay, new staff's getting hired. I'm going to look for that. Mm -hmm. Kevin's growing. I'm going to look for that. But also um, I want them to fill a part of the firm as well. I'll even ask clients for input. Like my logo was literally voted on by my clients. I didn't actually put that together. So I want them to feel a part of the firm um, and that leads to a longer term relationship. So combine that with subscription-based billing, it's like, well, I'm already including them in things that make them a Why not combine billing with that as well? And also I didn't like sending out invoices every time I had a conversation with an attorney. And so the relationship and make things a lot easier um, for me and the clients to interact. Did you raise your prices when you did this? Yeah, yeah. I, I raised prices and I also offered more services. And um, I took a look at what additional value I could bring the client for that raised increase rate. Um, and I would only clients where I can have a multiple change to benefit them. Did you offer them options, like three options, or did you just go to them with one? one yeah. I did the options route. Um, okay. I did the options route. Yeah. Um, because I want to get a feel for, uh, you know, what I want to get a feel for what they felt needed. Um, I know oftentimes they say that they want you to tell them what they need. Um, but I wanted to kind of gauge, kind of use it as uh, as a sample or as like, you know, research to figure out. And I took a small number of clients first. So I took like 50 clients. And then I did a sample of that to figure out, okay, where, like, where's the pushback? Where, what other services can I offer them? I did like one-on-one -on -one interviews to figure out what else they'd be looking for. And then I built packages around that. You customized it for each one of those 50. Yeah. So it wasn't like a menu price. You didn't, you didn't just give everybody the same price. You customized each one. Yeah, no. So I don't do fixed pricing. I'll, I'll customize the price per client. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And you still have over 500? Yeah. Custom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I'm trying to reduce, but it, it's tough. Um, I mean, I know we're not going to generation, but um, I have a pretty good system there. And what was the reaction to your customers? Because so many accountants that go to make this change are so paranoid about what the reaction is going to be from the customer, especially if they've been billing by the hour or something yeah. for all these years. How did they react? Oh, I was freaking out. I mean, 
good six weeks to put together. I wanted everything to be done to perfection because you know, I'm raising the race. I'm thinking people are going to come to my house and like, you know, <laughs> like pitchforks flatten my tires, you know, <laughs> I'm like, man, they're absolutely going to slaughter me. Um, but it received really well uh, because on the flip side, if I'm saying, Hey, listen, I'm, I am not reinventing, but I'm improving services. There are things where I have uh, fallen short on that I want to point out to you. Um, I want to come to you and, you know, I'm, I'm coming to some clients. I'm saying, hey, listen, this is where I can save you 10, 20 grand in tax. And it's going to drastically increase my rate because of the work it's going to take. But you're going to get, uh, you know, a three, four time multiple on whatever you pay me. At that point, it's like, all right, if I give you 10,000, will you give of course. Um, and so the conversations have going a lot better than, than I thought that they would. Right. Yeah. No, clients are really reasonable. I mean, the consumer's not an idiot. She's your wife, right? I mean, it's, um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of amazing. Well, that's really cool. Kevin, this has been awesome. It's flying by. Folks, we'd like to remind you, if you want to get a hold of me or Ed, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Go out to patreon.com slash tsoe. And uh, you can join us there as a Patreon member where you'll get access to bonus shows and commercial-free regular shows. That channel uh, on Patreon is now sponsored by 90 Minds. Find a mind at 90 Minds. Check them out at 90minds.com. And now a word from our sponsors. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that the Soul of Enterprise also has a Patreon channel. You can go to patreon.com slash TSOE where you can see the show without commercial or listen to the show without commercial interruption as well as our bonus episodes. 
you can also become a, a, a show sponsor there, like Blake Oliver did. If you uh, do this at a certain level, you'll get this shout-out. Blake is available at Earmark CPE. You can check them out at EarmarkCPE.com, where the Soul of Enterprise is available. Many episodes where you can listen to it and get CPE for free. But we are concentrating our interview today with Kevin Smoot. Kevin, um, so glad that you're here with us today. And I, I want to pick up on something that you were talking with Ron about, and that is you have these individual conversations with these 500 customers about value. I want you to talk to me about your value conversation strategies. What are some of the things that you talk about either with and it doesn't have up to you whether it's current customers that you have or new customers to try to elicit what that value is to them. Yeah, so I found that a lot of people um, they want more than just the transaction. Um, you know, a lot of people want they say like doctor, lawyer, accountant, like you want a good relationship with the professionals who are taking care of you, and so um, and and I also want to know who I'm working with. You know, I don't want somebody to call me out the blue and I'm like, okay, wait, who are you? Um, so I've done a lot to focus on uh, the relationship, and it seems that clients really want to build a relationship. They want someone they can call on so that when something changes or a life event happens, they're not shuffling through their tax return to figure out who it. They actually know, like, hey, I can contact Kevin, and I know he's going to get back to me. And at that point, it's like that's the bulk of the relationship right there that people are looking for. Obviously, they want things to be done correctly. Obviously, they want them to be done in a, in a short time frame. Um, but the most important thing that I've found is that they want someone who they can depend on um, and who they can relate to. Um, and that's part of the reason why hiring for me depends a lot on personality, because you know, an engineer is different from a librarian. Um, and so we have to be able to relate to either one of them to make them feel comfortable with the relationship um, so that they have that enjoyable experience. So when, when you were talking to a prospective customer, would you say that which of the following happens more often or in what proportion do these happen where you get a feel from this customer or a prospect that uh, they're not going to be a fit for us? They're just mm -hmm. concerned with lowest price. Do, are more people like that or are more people after you send them a proposal rejecting your proposal? Um, I know who I want to work with in the first 30 seconds of talking to them. Um, so so my, my client interview is maybe a little bit different. Um, I, I honestly, they're going to have to meet a certain criteria in terms of, you know, um, what do you have going on? Is it complex enough? Are you a W-2 or do you have like 100 rental properties? Um, but within the, even if you have 100, you know, rental properties and you may be some really uh, um, high value client, if your personality isn't a good fit, then, you know, I won't take you on as a client. Um, and so within the first 30 seconds, I don't focus on anything like, hey, let's talk about your taxes. I focus on what's the weather? What are you doing? Did you go anywhere on vacation? You know, my unspoken rule, uh, you guys are bringing all the Good. goods out of me at this point, but was that one of us, if not both of us, has to laugh within the first 30 seconds or it's not going to be a good fit. Um, and so then I just, the, the direction of the client interview after that, it either becomes a really short interview or you know, fully engaged, um, where I really want them to be a common client and they really want me to be their accountant. And then all the technical stuff, like I said, that's all, you know, they, they can read the reviews and figure out like, is he a good accountant or not? But most people want someone that they can talk to or relate to on some type of like personal level. 
Yeah. Well, well, getting getting the numbers right is the table stake, right? I mean, that's, yeah. But that's the assumption. We're, we're going to assume you're going to yeah. get the numbers right. That's what you're supposed to do. But you know the I, difference I, between a one and a seven on the keyboard, right? <laughs> Yes, definitely. But I, I, I love this. I, I'm going to call this the has to laugh index. I can just see you like with a, <laughs> you got like a clock going down. Up. Oh, sorry, this interview is over. We haven't laughed in the first thirty seconds. Nice to meet you. Good luck with. <laughs> you can, I'm going to refer you to this guy down the street. He doesn't laugh at all either. So you can <laughs> talk to this guy. <laughs> um, it makes work enjoyable. You know, it does. No, I mean you don't you don't want to have to work for people who who uh, you don't enjoy working with, and this is a, a constant theme that Ron and I have come back to. We did a show I think in the last six months, Ron, about David Maester's work, who's you know consultant from way back when, and one of his early findings was is that half the time, about half the time, uh, accountants spend are spending time on stuff they don't want to do, for yeah. people they don't like. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then we wonder why so many are leaving the business. It's because they're not doing anything that they really like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a minimum price too, or do, do you have like this idea? Okay, unless they're going to pay X per month, that they're probably not in in my pool either. I do have a minimum um, because I can really like you, but if you can't afford me, then you know, it's it's not going to be a win win situation. Um, so I, I do have uh, a minimum that, you know, that I stick, to. I have it like, I have a sticky note, I tape it cause I'm like, oh, I really like them and I don't want to like drop below that price just to be able to pull them in cause I like them. It's like, I have to stick to, you know, my own rules. Right. Right. So, and, and is that a universal rule? Does that minimum the, across the board for all prospective customers or do you have a minimum that you're thinking of after you have a, an individual conversation with them? Um, so it's a minimum across the board. Um, like, of course, it depends on situation, right? Like a, mm. a, a 1040, which we don't normally take on a lot of new 1040s at this point. Um, but there's a minimum for a 1040. Um, and, you know, then there's the minimum for um, like S-Corps or C-Corps. Um, but most of the time, because things are so customized, that the minimum isn't really even a factor. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I may get somebody that has like, I don't know, the other day I had somebody that, I say one of them had like 19 rental properties. The other had like 20 and they have a goal of a hundred. And it's like, all right, well the minimum isn't really going to apply to you guys. Cause you know, you're so far away from it. Um, but yeah, I, I just have to kind of keep myself on track and say that like, you know, I have this minimum, um, to stick to. And what about the, 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 this part of this value conversation in years two and three? I mean, the, the, the person who comes on board that has 17 and then they go to um, 100 ent- entities. What's the, what's the conversation with them like? How do you make sure, hey, listen, you know, we're going to be increasing your price because we've got – that we're going to be creating more value for you. So talk a little bit about yeah. that. Well, I think they know it's coming. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they definitely know it's coming because um, a part of subscription models that you're getting additional services. So- going throughout the year and you say, hey, listen, I just bought five more properties and I have to figure out a different strategy for those properties. And then you're at the end of the year and you're like, oh, wait, I've got three more properties under contract. And it's like, all right, well, you know, we're doing twice the work we were last year, so we're going to have to revisit. Um, it's it's always nerve-wracking in the beginning um, to think that there's going to be pushback or their approach, but uh, I think as long as you're fair and honest, um, you know, clients, again, the clients were someone they respect rely on um and that they can relate to well i might do that respect relate rely <laughs> don't take that don't the, three take that. No. the three r's the three r's 
<laughs> I love this. New marketing materials being developed as we speak. <laughs> I see Ryan writing that down. Ryan, don't put that down. <laughs> Um, so th- th- I, th- I think that's that's great. Do, do you specialize? Is it only real estate that you do? Do they have to have some interest in real estate for you to take them on? Or is that just one of the areas that you are, are niching in? It's, it's a, my main focus. Um, but but I do also, so I have two. One is um, anything real estate, agents or investors. Um, and then the other is any small, um, like service-based entrepreneurs. Okay, service entrepreneurs, got it. And do, what do you find? Is is there commonalities between those groups, or is, is and how did you get to d- decide on those? Did you just kind of fall in, no. into those 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 pieces? No. So, um, so I'm in the DC area, so there's a lot of uh, IT contractors. So I get the engineering brain, which is it's special because they're very very uh, approximate and exact. Um, and then I'll get you know the real estate investor who is more creative or, you know, uh, there could be a number of different personalities because we can get a doctor who invests in real estate or you can get, you know, like a tech startup owner that is in it too. So you get different personalities on the the real estate side. But um, no, there's not any like commonality in particular. I think we have a a wide range of uh, different personalities. And how did, did did you stumble on those or did did you make a conscious effort to to get into one? It sounds like real estate's always been something you've been interested going way back. So that, that seemed like a natural fit. How did, how did you add this specialization in, in professionals, professional services? Um, It's come over time. It's come over time and, and engaging in a lot of different clients that, um, that weren't the best fit or, Mm -hmm. You know, when you get the client and, you know, you shouldn't have gotten the client or you shouldn't have taken them on. Now I learn like, okay, I don't like that entire industry. <laughs> so I kind of like. Politicians. Nope. Nope. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, I can check that off. The- All right. <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's that's so okay. So just it, it, it's it's been organic. Let's put it that way. Where it's, it's kind of emerged in your in your thinking, and that that's where that you've connected. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Everything's been organic. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I guess the 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 last question I wanted to to ask you is what's what, where do you see? Do you see another specialization on your horizon at some point, or you, you're good with where you want to be? What's what's the future in terms of your firm expanding out, or or uh, maybe just staying with those two areas? Um, so for right now, we've actually niched down in the past mm-hmm. say year or so. Um, so I think we'll be here for a while. I actually like the space that I'm in because with real estate and the, the different areas of it, it allows me to be creative. Um, it allows me to look, look at things through a different lens, like I was saying before. Um, and then also with service-based entrepreneurs, it allows me to be able to, um, to educate them on how taxes work. Um, and that's a part of that build and preserve wealth portion that I like as well. So I think for now, um, at least in the foreseeable future, I think these are going to be, you know, where we where we focus. Okay. Yes or no question. Do you include in your subscription price the return? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Just 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 checking. That's an inside thing. So I, just, I know. I'll, I'll explain it to you a little bit. No, I, I already know a little bit. You about already know. It. All right. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> good, good. Well, we are up against our last break. Uh, Kevin, this has been great having you on. Uh, Ron's going to take you the rest of the way home, but I wanted to thank you personally for, for being on here. Uh, but wanted to remind our listeners that they can contact Ron or me by sending that email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Mention the Patreon channel, patreon.com slash tsoe. And of course, the other place where you can rate this podcast is go to, guess what, ratethispodcast.com slash tsoe, tsoe, where you can rate this podcast. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! Hey folks, Ed here. Ron is far too modest to tell you about his new book with Paul Dunn, so I'm just going to have to go ahead and do it. Scheduled to release on December 8th, Time's Up, the subscription business model for professional firms, is going to rock the world like the firm of the future did two decades ago. While you can't get the book until December, you can join the pre-order club by buying the book and sending us your receipt. Benefits start in August and will continue through February. For more details, visit thesoulofenterprise.com slash Time's Up. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well, welcome back everybody we're here with kevin smoot kevin I, I'm, I'm channeling the all the questions we we get when they hear a story like yours um and one of them is how long did this take you how long did this change take? Were you able to get everybody in one tax season or did it cross over to the second year? Uh, so I, I do it kind of every year where I'll, where I'll go through and kind of take a third or a fifth of clients and take them through. I think now that I'm in year three of doing this, um, I have more confidence in myself to be able to, to do it. Because each time you do it, it's like, all right, you have to ask yourself, am I going to lose all these clients when I do this? So there's a risk behind it mentally. Um, and, you know, chances are you're not, 100% chance you're not. But mentally, I just had that block where I was like, ah, I don't want to lose all my clients. And then, you know, then what do I Did do you lose that? one? Did you lose one client? I Pardon? did. 
Yeah, I did. I did. So um, I lost clients, but not revenue. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, it, it was like relieving because um, I got a wife and four kids to take care of. So I'm also, you know, worried about that and, you know, five employees. So there's a lot of responsibility that comes with like managing the cash flow of the business um, that I was concerned about with, with also doing it. Sure. And, and there's more complexity when you have more customers. It's just simple fact of life. There's just yeah. more activity. They're in your system. You've got to track them, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's much easier to have fewer customers at a higher price. But yeah. Um, yeah. And the other question that always comes up, since you do have five team members, how do you pay them? Salary. Salary. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that That's, I know, <laughs> that's, that's the a... preferred approach, but how do people pay hourly? No, I mean, I have one part-time that, um, that I pay hourly. Um, yeah, everybody else's uh, salary. And yeah. you're already kind of niched with the real estate and the, and the service entrepreneurs, but did this pricing strategy help you differentiate your value in the marketplace? I think so. I think so. I think that um, in simplifying the pricing and... And I say simplifying because before, you know, it there's there's a lot of focus on pricing, whether that's spoken or unspoken. You know, if you charge somebody for tax and they want to come back because they have a life change event, well, then you got to talk about pricing again. And then if they want some a tax protection or some advice, well, then you got to talk about pricing again. And so I think that um, going over to subscription based simplifies the pricing and simplifies the relationship. Um, so that you can just focus on the value you're providing versus, you know, what you're charging. I, I really despise that. Well, how much is going to cost me? Let's include it. You don't have to worry about anything. Um, and it really just simplifies the relationship. Right. We talk about it reducing the cognitive load on the customer to remove the pricing yeah. from the workflow type of thing. Um, and I'm also really curious, do you do like IRS audits and IRS defense work? No. I don't. No, so I, no. I have a colleague that specializes in that and I'll, I'll refer out to her. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Cause a lot of people I think automatically assume that EAs do that. Yeah, no, no, I, I, it's, it's one of those things that I tried and it's just not my cup of tea. Um, mm -hmm. and I was fortunate to find someone who, who loves it. Um, and I'm all about, you know, letting people take my weakness as their strength and I will feed it all day. Beautiful. Um, and I'm really curious because you do have the, the team members in your virtual, what KPIs do you look at besides, you know, the traditional financial ones that you can pull cash flow and revenue and all that? What, what other KPIs so, are you looking at? So KPIs is actually one of the things that I'm, I am, um, really focusing on and trying to use software to, to implement, um, because I don't do time tracking. My KPIs right now are are limited in terms of, um, you know, really just looking at the financial aspect of things when it comes to it. So I'm looking at margins. Um, I can't look at hours worked because, um, again, I don't do the timesheet. So something that I'm looking to actually uh, improve on going into next year. But you said, I think, earlier when you were talking to Ed about this, that you do track like the turnaround time of your employees. Like you give them a file yeah. and you say, get this back by next week. So it seems like you're, you seem to be tracking that even if it's just mentally. Yeah. Well, and I, that actually comes through with, uh, with software where I can track to see are things on time? How late are they? If they are late, is it within, you know, some certain reason? 
Um, is it our fault or is it the uh, client's delay in giving us information we may need? So there's a number of different, I guess you can call them KPIs that I look at um, to, to figure out like what's the turnaround rate on work and are we sticking to, to the deadlines that we need to. Another question we get all the time uh, is what technology do you, have you found useful for like managing your workflow? Uh, I love Carbon. Um, okay. Carbon's been great and they're, they're always making improvements. Um, and my staff loves it and they actually meet with the, my team um, on a quarterly basis as a group to kind of keep us up to date on things. Um, so I, I really like the direction that they're going in, uh, especially with, within like, I told you before, we're hundred and so I needed a software that I can depend on to be able to manage everything remotely. Um, and it makes it easy for everyone to, to actually do their work. Beautiful. And then this change that you made, which is dramatic. I mean, you just went back and did it. I just love this story. It's so inspiring. How, how did this change you professionally and even personally? Um, I mean, personally, it, it opened up. I'm, I'm so much happier now. Um, it's It has allowed me to be able to hire. Like I, I think I said before, when I saw you initially, which was like two and a half years ago, three years ago, it was just me. Um, and, you know, now I have a team of five. And so to be able to like be able to pour into someone else's life is something that's really been important to me. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without going through that transition to go into the value and subscription based pricing. Um, I think that's probably the biggest impact uh, and biggest satisfaction that I've had. Um, being able to have more time uh, and manage that and spend it with the wife and kids and, you know, take vacations, and, but still have everything run and everybody's happy um, is also, you know, really gratifying too. Did you learn anything that was kind of unexpected or you wouldn't have thought that you would have learned at making this change? I mean, something that really surprised you? Um, I, I learned a lot about myself. Um, I learned, I learned where more about where my passion lies, which, you know, isn't financial. It's more, uh, emotional. It's more personal. Um, sure. We gauge, you know, our metrics on the numbers that we produce, but I think for me to be able to expand and, um, literally see people's lives change, whether that's staff or clients, to be able to be in a position where I have an impact. Um, and it, all, it does come through pricing as well, which is it's kind of weird where you simplify pricing and it makes life a whole lot easier for both you and whoever you interact with. But because I'm a better version of myself, I'm able to pour into staff or clients um, as my best self and versus being like, you know, stressed out or chasing people about receivables or, you know, things like that. Um, it really helps me to be able to uh, engage everyone um, a lot better. That's awesome. Well, Kevin, this has been so inspiring. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, hopefully maybe you'll come back uh, after you grow some more and whatever your future plans are, we'd love to keep up with you. And Ed, what do we have coming up for next week? Next week, Ron, we are talking to the president of the University of Austin in Texas, Pano Canelos, about his experiences founding that university. Awesome. I'll see you in 167 hours.
This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. Sponsored by Sage. Building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. But in the meantime, please feel free to visit us on the web at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. Thank you.